Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer joining you from downtown Toronto. Brendan Escott's back at the 6.30 Chet Studios. Uh, tonight's television broadcast will feature Chris Cuthbert and Craig Simpson. The radio broadcast uh, with Jack out um, will, uh, Jack put that out on Twitter. Uh, Rob Brown and Cam Moon will broadcast from the 630 Chet Studios. I'll join them, uh, from, uh, in the building at Scotiabank Arena. This is Oilers Now. We will tell you that guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. As we go to our Oilers Now headliner today, Brian Lawton. For Wilhawk Beef Jerky, it just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Brian, how are you? Doing fantastic, Bob. <laughs> well, uh, you got, uh, uh, you tested positive a few weeks ago, I believe. And, uh, man, it is ravaging teams. And we're getting people texting the show right now. It's, it's funny. Uh, you know, you've always got a percentage of the fan base that seemingly every couple of years want to replace a coach. Um, in, in European football, it's called sacking the manager. And it seems to happen at a lot of clubs after about two, two and a half years. You have several of the other listeners, though, going the complete other way, saying, how can we even judge what we've seen this year? given the um, scenario that involves COVID protocol and the integrity of the game and the fact that you had clubs like Calgary and Toronto completely shut down and not allowed to play through uh, some of their challenges with people going into the protocol. Meanwhile, other teams have been forced to continue to play through this. This is something that up- upset Lou Lamarillo earlier in the league before they finally did decide to, to shut his team down. What would your view as a former general manager, or even for that matter as a prominent agent being a league, with the unique challenge that the NHL has with uh, varying degrees of uh, COVID protocol impact for the respective teams? Yeah, sure. Uh, my view, uh, my 100% transparent view was that, honestly, when you're a general manager, You've had some experiences in life, and you recognize the challenges that the league has. I would always back the league 100% publicly. If I didn't disagree, which did happen occasionally, (laughs) I would let them know it privately. And fans might be saying, that's a strange answer. That's the truth. That's how I handled things. Everybody's different. Um, There's a lot of testosterone in the National Hockey League. But I felt like that was the best course of action, how to handle myself 
And some of that even, you know, came from experiences of being a player and, you know, you get called out maybe sometimes in the media, maybe other times in person. You try to figure out what works best for achieving a goal. For me, that's how I preferred to handle it. Is the current situation as it's set up fair? When you have teams like like Toronto has played one game since the 14th of December, since they played Edmonton, okay? That one game was home to Ottawa on uh, January the 1st. Conversely, the Oilers have had two trips to the States. They've flown to Seattle, then had four games uh, uh, cancelled, but that uh, one game against Calgary, which had to do more so again with the Flames and the significance of the impact that they had. They had two games in Cali cancelled because the league didn't want teams flying back and forth across the border, and a game against Anaheim because they didn't want Anaheim flying back and forth across the border. Is it fair? right now what we're seeing. Is it fair to all teams? A couple of things to remember about that. Is it fair? No, it's absolutely not fair. People may not want to say that, but that's just the reality. Is the league doing a bad job? Absolutely not. Is there a conspiracy against certain clubs? No, even though you can look at point at times and go, kind of feels like it, but it's not true. The National Hockey League does not operate that way. And it's a question that does come up. Um, They try to treat everybody as fair as possible to the best of the circumstances. At the end of the day, is it fair? The answer is unequivocally, no, it is not. But it comes with an asterisk that says the National Hockey League does not take sides. They do not try to promote one franchise over another. They're just doing the best job they can. They've been handled, they've been handed incredibly difficult circumstances. Uh, I think fans can recognize that the goalposts at times appear to be moving. That's because they are. They're trying to figure out what the best course of action is. There is no playbook for what they've had to go through or the other leagues, to be fair. These are tough scenarios. Um, and ultimately, that's why I gave you the first answer to your question in terms of always support what's going on in the league. And if you have questions or concerns, you tend to air them out in private. Uh, I do believe 100% in the fairness that the National Hockey League is trying to distribute to all the teams. It just doesn't always work out that way or feel that way. What would you say to the fans? The orders are 2-8-2 and two in their last uh, 12 games. Miko Koskinen, 0-5-1 during that stretch, 8.66 save percentage. Mike Smith coming back from injury, 0-1-1, 8.65 save percentage. The only guy that's got any wins, Stuart Skinner, and we all hit on Skinner a little bit later. Uh, but he is 2-2 two two during this stretch with an 8.99. The Oilers are 31st in the league in shot percentage over the last 12 games, and they're 28th in the league in save percentage. Um, they've had the, the COVID run through their team, and they've also had injuries run through their team. What would you say to the fans that would say, it doesn't matter, Stauffer, they need to make a coaching change at this time? I would say, first of all, I love Edmonton. I always loved playing up there. It is one of the most amped up markets when it comes to their hockey team. And personally, I like that. And as a player, um, you know, you got to love that. You got to want that. That was my personality. 
In terms of how amped up the fan base may be right now, I would say be careful not to judge the results more than the process. So what does that mean? It means you got to look deeper than just what the scores have been. You can win hockey games when you're not playing very well, and you can lose hockey games when you are playing well. My overall take on the season to this point for Edmonton is uh, probably played better than their level to start. I would say almost definitely power play carried them. A lot of good things happened. Um, Playing or getting results worse than they've played lately. And the answer for who they are lies somewhere in between. In terms of the coach, I think it's absolutely expected why people would say change the coach. You got Bruce Boudreaux, who's done an amazing job in turning around Vancouver. He's getting all kinds of credit for that. But Vancouver wasn't as bad as they were playing. The results were bad. And in the end, Vancouver was always going to play better. I do think that Bruce has done an excellent job, but it's not the whole story. Dave Tippett, in my opinion, obviously wishes the club had won more recently, but I don't feel like he's all of a sudden a bad coach. This guy's one of the elite coaches in the National Hockey League. The results have not been acceptable by anybody's explanation or acknowledgement, but the end result for me is that the team has not played as bad as the record and that they will turn it around and that Dave Tippett will be the person that's behind the bench when that happens. And right now is probably one of the bigger challenges for the organization in the last few years. Got a tough game against Toronto, then they got one more game on Monday, I believe, against Ottawa, and they've got like nine days off. This team will look markedly different and be playing a lot better in about 15 more days, regardless of what happens. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Happens in the next two games. I truly believe that. I know you're going to save the tape, and you're going to bring it up to me, Bob. Yep. Well, I mean, I I have empathy. I'm just going to. I did Vancouver radio today, and the two guys that did the show with are heavy analytics-driven guys, and I asked them point blank. Canucks are 8-0 and one of their last games. What's the save percentage for Demko? What's the save percentage for Halak? And they just said, good. And I said, no, give me real numbers. 955, 931 right. for those two goalies. Demko's got a 955 save percentage over seven starts. We have listeners to the show that remember the Oilers at the start of the 11-12 season when Ryan Nugent Hopkins joined the team and was centering uh, Taylor Hall and Jordan Eberle. And Nikolai Habibulin had a 960 save percentage through his first 12 appearances of the year, and the Oilers were 9-3-2. and two. And nobody believed that that was going to continue for that team. And Edmonton, by the end of last season, ended up, uh, you know, 29th out of 30 teams. So we got our answer. You know, they came, they came crashing back down to earth. So, uh, you know, a lot of it is goaltending. 
Speaking of goaltending, uh, Dave Tippett, Ryan has received criticism for his criticism uh, and frustration that he showed on Miko Koskinen, specific to the first goal against and airmailing the puck over the last 15 seconds into the game. Uh, different generations, surely. Uh, 15 second sound bites can be tweeted and sent out by Instagram and everything else. What's your take on what Dave Tippett uh, had to say about Miko following the loss against the Rangers? Uh, obviously, some strong words. Obviously, everybody is frustrated. It's not like what I'm saying is true about the process, but it's still frustrating when you're going through it. You want to win, you know you're playing better than what you're getting, and yet it's not happening. Um, I think it's a little bit taken out of context, but I also understand that without accountability in a hockey team, you don't have much. And I would imagine that his his exact comments were pretty truthful. I don't think they were said, said with malice. I think he's just describing what he saw and how he felt at the time. Could he reel that back or tone that down? Absolutely. Um, but you have to find a way to make sure that everybody on the team understands we've got everyone's back, but we also have accountability. And it's not always lollipops and rainbows. Sometimes you have to kick a guy in the rear end to pick it up. And I prefer that best when that's done behind closed doors. That's not always the case. It's still an option for coaches to apply pressure on players openly in the media. The world is much warm and fuzzier than it used to be. And I happen to agree with a lot of the changes being positive in sports. But I don't agree that a coach can never say something negative or derogatory about a player's play publicly. That's just the way it is. That's between the coach and the players and the relationship they have. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think anyone's going to argue that what Dave said was incorrect. All you're going to argue is, is that the right time and place to say it? And you really have to ask him and get into all these guys have to be so strategic, Bob. You have to get into what is their intent. It's not like it used to be where it was really done out of people just being mean-spirited. That's not in the game the way that it used to be. Players are not, first of all, players are not as fungible as they used to be. Their contracts give them more strength and power. The world is changed. And because of those reasons, coaches have to change. All right. Well, today, uh, Tommy Seppala, who's a Finnish base writer, uh, translated uh, some comments from Miko Koskinen on critics from Tippett Media uh, and the media. And the quote is, it's not nice being thrown under the bus. I have to be better. But at the same time, we scored seven goals in my last six losses. I can't score goals. I would have to envision that... Uh, I. I'll be honest with you, Brian. When I was a long time ago playing, um, we had a goalie that embarrassed one of the defensemen on our team. And I told the coach to put me back on the ice for the end of the power play. And I fired a puck back at that goalie's head. Okay? To wake him up. I, so I don't have a lot of patience for um, 
you know, I don't like goalies that show up their teammates on the ice. Um, I would have had no problem with Miko Koskinen would have said, it's not nice being thrown under the bus. I have to be better. <laughs> like that, you know what? Or I felt like I was thrown under the bus. I have to be better. Uh, the point where he says I can't score the goals, I don't know how well that's going to resonate either. What about you? You know, players will ultimately accept it. I think that at this stage, people know who he is. And, and from all the players I've talked to on the team, they like Nico Koskinen. He's a very good, he's a guy. good guy. He's handled himself. Yep. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's handled himself well. Um, I also think that some players will look and say, been a tough situation for him. Has never really proven himself as a starter. We've needed him to be a starter. Maybe he hasn't been there. He's doing the best he can, but they won't necessarily blame him for that. What gets lost in sometimes in analytics is we're just looking at the numbers. But the time that a goalie doesn't make a save has always been a stat. That's very big, in my opinion. That's what really separated the good goalies from the great goalies and the ones that could get over the hump to be starters for the guys that are backups. There has been a lot of times this year when the Oilers did not get a save when they needed it. There has been a lot of times this year when the club has emotionally looked down to me because of the start of the goaltending. That's just yep. the way I see it. I'm not being critical on Nico Kassin. I'm just saying that those things are real, and they don't even always show up analytically the way that they should. There's a lot of value in making the big save at the right time. There's a lot of value in starting games strong and maybe giving your chance, your team a chance to get their feet underneath them or maybe matching. Like if I look at the Ranger game, I thought Edmonton started pretty well. And then they had two horrific circumstances happened that, in my opinion, have happened before, and it really emotionally affects the team. Um, does anybody care? No, nobody cares. I mean, that's that's the players and the coaches' problem to fix. But that is how I saw it. It really, truly is. Yeah, and I, I, I got to say this. Like, there there is a percentage of the fan base that thinks that Mike Smith is favored by Dave Tippett, uh, that Dave has more comfortability with him, and they think that Miko Koskinen has been dealt with unfairly. And frankly, I can empathize Not with a the chance. That Not a chance, Bob. No, no, no. He's no, no, all kinds of opportunities. No, I'm just gonna, I'll empathize with the fact that at times Miko has been put in difficult situations because of Mike Smith's injuries, where he's had to start a sequence of too many games in a row. That's that's what I was going to say. Like, he started 12 of the first 13 a year ago. And, uh, you know, Mike Smith started two of the first uh, 31 games this year. And that that put their, I think, yeah, two of the first 30 games this year. That that sort of put Miko in a position where, as a 1B goaltender, he did have to start too much. So I understand that sentiment that's out there. Because I can tell you right now, most of the uh, media, most of the people right now, um, so here's an example. Rick and Jasper says, Bob, Mike Smith shows up as teammates every game and you haven't called him out once for it. I know you and the rest of the media are too scared to ever say anything about Schmitty. That one comes to us from Rick and Jasper and he adds, uh, you are hilarious. Uh, and, uh, 
this text comes in from another texter. Did Mike Smith get called out in either of the two games that he played for Dave Tippett? The game in St. Louis or the game against the New Jersey Devils? Well, as it turned out against New Jersey, uh, he had a little bit of a, a challenge uh, injury-wise as well. So there is that feeling out there. Uh, currently in our fan base, Brian, that, uh, and, and maybe it's just people that are argumentative and they don't like Dave Tippett, but they see Mike Smith as Dave Tippett's guy. How about that? Is that the fairest way to say it? Uh, I know Dave Tippett very well, and I can tell you that that's inaccurate. Dave Tippett likes a certain type of player. I'll tell you which one. Winning players. That's what's most important to him is the guys that he believes. And not all players are equal. That's just the reality of it. You're looking for guys that can give you what you need at certain times. That's what Dave Tippett's paid to do. The performances that he's gotten out of the team, they should be better. At the very, very least, they should have three to five more wins. And then we're not really having this discussion that's hockey. There is some randomness involved in it. There is some luck, as people like to say. Um, but ultimately, none of that matters. It's, Dave Tippett knows what his job is. He needs to make the players better. He needs to figure out how to do that in the most difficult of circumstances. Um, and that starts immediately for him. And then he's got to do it again next Monday. And then they might get a chance to catch their breath. They actually will. Yeah. I think you'll see a different team after that. So he knows what his challenge is. He's not a guy that's going to complain to it. I spoke to him last night. I know exactly where he's at. And uh, it is definitely a challenge, but it's what he signed up for, and he accepts it. And he's got to do yeah. as best as he can. And is he a leader of men is a question when you're managing a club that you ask yourself, just like – is this guy a starter or a backup is a question you ask yourself. Whenever a backup gets an opportunity, even a guy like Thatcher Demko, when they have to do it without a safety net of Jacob Markstrom, you're watching very closely to evaluate them because that is a completely different animal. I had Mike Smith as a goaltender in Tampa when I was there, and he had to prove that he could transition out of that backup role to being a legitimate starter. And you can have false starts or you can have players that will never figure it out. Those are the toughest things you have to do as a GM and more specifically as a coach. So at the end of the day, um, Miko Kostin, in my opinion, he's had a lot of opportunities. He hasn't been able to grab the ball and really run with it. Mike Smith is not my guy. That's just my analysis on it. That's why you guys have me on it every week. I don't expect everyone to agree with me. But I'm going to answer your questions honestly. Okay, final minute. Uh, just a quick hit on this. Uh, Koskinen, again, I, if he hadn't said anything about scoring the goals, I would have been fine with this quote. I understand his position. And what I will say is he got lots of run support when he started the year 12-2. 12 and 2. Jason Greger put exactly. a, a piece up. A piece out in Oilers Nation today saying he had 4.42 goals per game scored. That helped him get to that 12-2 and record. So that's, that, that's a valid point. I'm going to leave you with this, and we've only got about a minute, Brian. Um, solutions. Some people think the Oilers should trade away their first-round pick to go get a, an older veteran goalie. They're, they've got Mike Smith on their contract for one more year. He's 39. Is an internal option better? 
do they do they investigate the possibility maybe after we get back here bringing Skinner back up and going with Skinner saying Smith as an example as Smith gets healthy does that make any sense at all I don't manage the club I don't have any say in it obviously but it would be hard for me not to want to try that path a little bit to be honest with you just because people have had ample opportunities it hasn't worked out it doesn't mean that that would be the final solution but boy i'd have a hard time not going that route in terms of miko costin i would have been disappointed if he didn't say something in his defense right you know even if it like you said it was just be i would have been disappointed i expect that from a player it would have been more abnormal the part about scoring goals Maybe too much. Guys are proud, though. They want to stand up. Confidence is everything in this game. I get it. I wouldn't be the least bit. Um, it wasn't the least bit surprising that he said something. It is what it is at this point. Uh, players ultimately want to win. They recognize who can help them win. Those are the guys that get backed in the locker room when it's all said and done. Great stuff, Brian. Love your perspective on things. Thanks for joining us on Oilers Now. My pleasure. Thanks, Bob. All right, guests of the show receive gift certificates from Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special meal or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. Brendan, Chris, and Taylor, Roos Chris Steakhouse, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Uh, into the orders now, injury report for James H. Brown Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. And back in the 630 Chad Studios, here's Brendan Escott. McDavid, Tyson Berry, Derek Ryan have all entered COVID protocol. Mike Smith is back in net tonight, returning from just a, a one-game absence. Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, Marcus Niemelainen, and Chris Russell all on the injured list right now. Austin Matthews is a go for Toronto following Monday's positive COVID test. He was negative yesterday and today. Andre Kasha, though, will miss this game. He's got an undisclosed ailment. He'll be replaced by Nick Ritchie in the lineup. There. There you have it. We'll head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Back with David Staples from the Cult of Hockey when we return on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.